brought to you by Coco 5. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, we're going to try this again here in the 3 o'clock hour. Gambo, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? I can, can you? He- I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Mm. Can you hear me now? Um, yeah, broadcasting live from home, and it's not all it's made out to be because uh, obviously my internet connection has not been super great the last couple segments of the show, and we've been working behind the scenes to fix it. I don't know if we have or if we haven't. We're going to just kind of find out together now, aren't we, Gambo? See if we've got it working or not. Yeah, I think it's a little lefty, if, iffy. So we'll uh, we'll see. We've got Kenny Dillingham coming up at three fifteen, uh, and then we'll have James Jones at three thirty. So if uh, if we don't get you back on track, Burnsy, we'll give you some more time to figure that out, and we'll get these interviews done over here. All right. Well, in the meantime, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. They're in town tonight, taking on the Phoenix Suns. A Hawks that, like the Suns, involved in a lot of trade deadline rumors. Trade deadline is one week from tomorrow. John Collins seems to be the center of that. A Hawks team that they're getting Trey Young back tonight. At least they're expected to get Trey Young back tonight. He's listed as probable for the game. A, a, a game below 500. The Hawks are so far this year. They've been dealing with poor defense. They've been dealing with turnover issues. This is not. This is a team that was expecting to take a big step forward this year with DeJounte Murray. They have not taken a big step forward with DeJounte Murray, and they gave up a bunch in draft capital to get him. Yeah, they've been they they did. They gave up. And DeJounte Murray's not his fault. Like DeJounte Murray's been good for them. But you know, without Trey Young, he's had ankle soreness. They've been out without Capella at times, without DeAndre Hunter at times. They've definitely had some issues with staying healthy. And in the meantime, I mean they're you know they're in a position too where they're trying to trade a player just like the Phoenix Suns are. You know, they've been trying to trade John Collins for a while now and there's even a report that's coming out from Sam Amick of the Athletic that they've dropped their mandate for a first round pick and they're now focused on just landing a quality player or players in return for Collins. Now there's not a lot of teams that love Collins. Some do. The Jazz have some interest in Collins. You know, they like him. He plays with two ball dominant guards in Atlanta. Um, that could be a reason why. You know, he hasn't been as great. A couple of years ago, he was really good in the playoffs. That's why they signed him to that extension. The Jazz do have some interest in Collins. I know they don't like the price tag because Collins gets paid a lot of money. But um, we'll see if Collins ends up getting moved. I think that's one of the big names for the trade deadline is John Collins. It's funny. It's funny to hear Sam Amick of the Athletics say they've dropped their mandate for a first-round pick. So I'm starting to get that vibe around the league. Uh, I'm starting to get the sense on the league that this, uh, and I'm going to say that darn Danny Ainge because he's the one who kind of did it with that crazy draft haul that he got for Rudy Gobert back in the offseason. It felt like it really just set this unrealistic expectation for just about every general manager out there who had something that they wanted to sell about what they could get in return. And you, you've kind of seen it happen now around the leagues with you know Boyan Bogdanovich. We've this coming out of Detroit. Now we've got it coming out of Atlanta. There have been a couple of players as well where it was like, no, we want this, we want this, we want this. Well, you're not going to get that. No one, you're not going to be able to sell your player for that. No one is going to buy him for that because the asking price is simply too high. And everybody wants their Danny Ainge, Rudy Gobert deal. Man, those just aren't out there to be had. And I think potentially the idea that the Hawks have 
downgraded their demands for John Collins is a good sign for the Suns because I think part of what's kept them out of the market a little bit is how expensive the prices have been to acquire players near the deadline. Maybe it's a trend league-wide that demands are going to start to go down a little bit. There's no question the Rudy Gobert trade put a lot of people on notice, right? A lot of people said, okay, if I'm going to give up a player, you know, that's a top player. I mean, I I need to get that type of haul back for them. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. I've listened. Atlanta was much better than team last year. You know, right now they're eighth in the East. It's not like they're not a playoff team. They're about a 500 team. Uh, Again, dealing with some injuries. They've had the ankle soreness with Trey. Hunter's missed some time. Capella's missed some time. Uh, But you got, you know, Murray's, you know, you look at the Jante Murray and he has been good. Like his numbers have been good. He's been fine for them. It's just a matter. And at one point they had gone on a little bit of a run. They were, they, you know, they were, they were winning some games. They had won seven out of 10, but then they just lost a, a great job by Dame Lillard. They lost that game and they lost to the Clippers. And so this game against the Suns, probably a big game for them. I think that, you know, they probably figure to be a playoff team no matter what they do. They'll likely be a playoff team. It's just a matter of like the Suns. I mean, you're going to make that move up and be a, you know, a three, four, five team, or are you going to hang somewhere around, you know, eight, nine, 10 and have to play in the play in game? So that's what you look at with the Hawks and you know what they may have to do. Suns take on the Hawks tonight. It'll be a big game for uh, for Phoenix too with the trade deadline looming. Jay Crowder possibly getting traded. We've had a lot of OG Ananobi reports. The Hawks, same thing. Reports that the Hawks times running out on them and uh, whether they trade John Collins or not. Do they make a move to go for it or do they try to you know do they try to just move players out? I was looking at a list of players. The the 20 best players who could change teams. And the Raptors stars lead the list. I mean, those are the guys that are leading the list. Uh, But there are clearly some good players on this list. So if Atlanta wanted to move one out, they, they could. John Collins is number nine on this list. He is listed as the number nine player on this list. And he was a big part of their Eastern Conference Finals run. But, you know, because he's playing with two guards that dominate the ball, he hasn't been as good this year. So we'll see what they we'll see what they do at the trade deadline, but I would imagine that they're going to try to continue to move John Collins. I saw a lot of people talking about Trey Young in general. A lot of people seem to be out on him after that Eastern Conference Finals run a couple years ago with things not working at Atlanta. Some people are saying Trey Young not a top 10 point guard in the NBA. I'm not sure if I agree with that because I just think it's the fit between him and DeJounte. Do you think that there could be a possibility that Trey Young is a piece the Hawks move on from? No, I, I mean, I really doubt that. Um, you know, he's averaging t- 27.2 points and 9.9 assists. That don't come often, do <laughs> No, it's hard to get a player like that. And, I think, you know, they're going to keep Trey Young and, and DeJounte Murray and hopefully DeAndre, and DeAndre Hunter and try to move Collins and see what they could get for him. So I, I don't, you know, I don't see that. I think Trey Young is a guy that uh, that they keep. He's a really good player. They've just got to surround him with the road. We've seen Trey Young dominate and play great. Um, but... Now it's up to Atlanta to try to get the right pieces for him. Now, he was listed. I'm trying to see an updated report. He was listed. 
you know, for probable for tonight's game. So the last report that came out that I saw that he was probable for the game. We haven't heard anything else about that, just that he's probable to play tonight against the Phoenix Suns, who uh, are playing better basketball right now. And a lot of that has to do with Mikael Bridges. A lot of it has to do with the way Chris Paul is playing. So, you know, Devin Booker, we should have some sort of update on Devin Booker today. He's supposed to be reevaluated. The last thing that I heard on Book was that they wanted to have a ramp up. Once they felt like he was good to go, they wanted to give him a certain amount of time to ramp up before playing, not just like, okay, you're good to go play tonight, but let's let's work with them over about a five-day period. So that would push that to... You know, the week, the late weekend or maybe into early next week for Booker coming back. I don't think he looks not going to play tonight from what I've heard and that I wouldn't expect that he plays Friday in that game against Boston. They go back to back Friday, Saturday. So if it's not Saturday, then maybe it's later on in the week. All right. Arizona State. Boy, they made some noise this morning. They got themselves one of the top quarterbacks in all of college football committing to the Sun Devils. That's a big, big get for Kenny Dillingham, the head coach of ASU. He's going to join us next to talk about that right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. John Gambador taking you right up here until 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, we got a uh, special guest joining us right now, the head coach of Arizona State University football. Kenny Dillingham joins us on the program. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Let, I, I, you got to be excited. I mean, I know when Jaden Rashada, you know, met with you guys, it, it was great that he was coming in, great that he was coming in for a meeting, but he is one of the truly best quarterbacks that's available, the number six ranked quarterback prospect in the 2023 class, the number two dual threat, number two dual threat quarterback in the country, and he's coming to ASU. How did you find out about it? Well, I can't really comment on uh, any prospect right now, uh, but I can comment about that today is a great day to be a Sun Devil. Uh, this is a, a place that we are changing the perception of this place because I know what this place can be. And uh, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, let's talk about the your ability to get these kids to come here without promising them anything. I know for for a lot of the, a lot of what I've heard is that you know you just look come here, be a Sun Devil, work hard, let it all take care of yourself. What happened to making all these promises with NIL deals and 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 playing time and stuff like that? So, what is your pitch to these kids that are coming to ASU? Well, I think, you know, when you make promises to somebody in recruiting, uh, you're hurting them. And it doesn't doesn't matter if you come true to those promises or you don't come true to those promises. If I promise a kid that he's going to come in here and start, and he's going to come in here with an expectation he's going to start, and human nature is going to let him become complacent for 99% of America. So if I promise you you're going to play, and, and by nature, by me doing that, you become complacent, I'm hurting you. If I promise you you're going to play and you get here and you don't play as a true freshman, how are you going to trust me as a coach? So either way, when coaches make promises in this deal, it, it hurts the player. And if coaches make promises to try to sign a kid, then that's fine. That's how they can operate. But I'm going to operate saying if you come here, you're going to work harder than anybody in the country. If you come here, I can guarantee you 
that you're going to compete. And I can guarantee you that I'm going to do everything I can to make you successful in life. And I'm not going to make promises that I can't come come through with. So I, I, I believe you're still waiting for the national letter uh, of intent to come through. So I will ask you this. And I think you could talk about it. It's just when you were when you're out recruiting and, you know, uh, like even with Jaden, you know, at Florida State, at Oregon, you know, how much does it help you when you really know a kid because you have recruited him at Florida State? You had tried to recruit him at Oregon. Does that, does that give you any advantage? I think anytime, I think recruiting nowadays is how it's always been. It's about relationships. So luckily for me, I've been blessed that, you know, I've been building relationships with a lot of guys for maybe two, three, four years now with some of these guys that I've been talking to. I mean, there's some quarterbacks that I've had relationships for five years with uh, coming up. And it's when you get to know guys, you get to know their why, you get to understand the dynamics of recruiting because every kid's dynamics of recruiting are different. And, you know, some kids, to be honest, they don't really have a say in their recruitment. Their dad picks where they go. And uh, those are usually the kids that wind up in a bad situation. And the kids who actually make the decision of where they want to go usually wind up more successful than the kids whose, whose fathers get involved to a point where they kind of push their kid in a certain direction. Isn't that, so, isn't that interesting? Uh, that's, that's fascinating. No, because the kids, the, kids that, the kids that have the backbone to make their own decision in this process are the guys who are going to be great leaders, are the guys who you want on fourth and seven with the game on the line to have the ball, are the same guys who know what they want, and who go do what they want. And you want quarterbacks like that. Yeah. You've, you've brought in a bunch of quarterbacks. So I would imagine, you know, even though one will probably rise to the cream will rise to the top, right? One will stand out way above the others. What do you tell the quarterbacks? Because when you look at the, even just looking at the transfer portal with what you've been able to do with Drew Pine and Jacob Conover, you have really changed the quarterback room here at ASU. I mean, everything's about competition. And uh, I tell every person that it doesn't matter if you're a three-year starter or if uh, you're a true, a true freshman or a transfer. It's about competition. And if you truly want to be great, you better surround yourself with people that can push you to your limits. If you want to be comfortable, if you want to, buy, if you want to be, quote-unquote, the man all the time, you're going to get complacent. It's my job as a coach to create a structure that challenges you and pushes you to your limit while at the same time you're comfortable enough to flourish. And there's a fine line there. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, we were all impressed with what Trenton Bourget did for ASU last year and his opportunities. But then you bring in Jacob, you bring in Drew. And obviously, I know you're waiting on some really good news to be finalized today. And that quarterback room is going to be fantastic. Tell me about Bo Baldwin and just his ability to work with a quarterback, whether it's traditional or a dual threat guy, how you think he can work with those guys. Yeah, I mean, Coach Baldwin's a national championship winning coach as a head coach. Uh, he is a phenomenal teacher. And when I, look at, when I look at coaches, I look at people who can teach. That's really what it boils down to is when you sit in a meeting room, can you teach somebody a concept? Can you teach them the why behind something? And this is a guy that's obviously been a leader at a high level, who's a phenomenal teacher. So I think him with, with the quarterback room, us merging a little bit of what we do, uh, I just think it's an unbelievable circumstance for Arizona State. 
Yeah. And you, you look at some of the connections, too. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of kids who, you know, from this area that, you know, know this program really well, grew up watching this program. There's guys whose fathers played for this program. So it's probably hard for you to go out on the recruiting trail and not find some kind of connections to Arizona State at some point in these kids' lives. No question. I mean, I think one of our strengths is what I always talk about, activating the Valley, right? It's not just activating the Valley. It's activating the alumni base, right? This is one of the largest universities in the country, right? We can reach more people than basically any school in the country if we utilize each other. If we all just put in a little bit, not a lot, if everybody just does a little bit, this place can be special, but we really need people to buy into your little bit matters, that your little bit makes a difference, that if you donate $10 a month, it makes a difference, that if you show up to one game a year, it makes a difference, because when you have the masses that we have, the powers in numbers, and don't take for granted that you could be the difference. A thousand U's, 10,000 U's, 30,000 U's, is the difference with us having 40,000 at the spring game and 4,000. It's about you individually. And I think that's the whole premise of the program. That's the whole premise of the platform we're standing on here is if everybody just does something, I can't imagine where we're going to be. What, what are you hearing from just local high school coaches when everybody sees what you've done in the transfer portal, the kids that you've put, put in, uh, you're brought in, the kids that you're recruiting locally, the high school kids? What are you hearing around the Valley about the direction of ASU right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think positives, but everybody's going to tell me great things. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing I'm hearing people see that we care. And I think at the end of the day, that's all people want. The natural human instinct is to want to be wanted. Everybody just wants to be wanted. That's it. At the end of the day. And I think we are showing that we want the kids in the Valley. We are showing that we want to engage this community. And I think people feel that. I think they see it in our actions because anybody can say, oh, activate the Valley. Anybody can say, oh, we want to recruit locally. Well, if you actually look at what we've done, right, we're putting our money where our mouth is. And I'm not necessarily, we're, we're putting our actions behind our words. That's a better way to put Listen, it. Listen, anytime you can get a kid out of a parking ticket, I'm all for it, coach. Hey, I, you know what? We uh, One of the things they wanted to do was they wanted parking here. Our players asked for what I got here. So that was one of the things I stood on a table for. So I told them, if any of y'all get a parking ticket, I better not hear about it because it means you didn't fill out a form. <laughs> and uh, if I do hear about it, then I'm going to put you on blast because that's on you. So so when Chad got the parking ticket, it was because he didn't. all he had to do was fill out a form and he wouldn't have got a parking ticket. Very simple. Yeah. Uh, that stuff matters. Like, when you build a culture, it does matter. The little things that you do for the players, for their families, for the fan base, all of that stuff matters in building a culture. So if that's what, if the player's like, hey, here's something that's, whether it's meals or travel or anything that could be adjusted to make everybody's life a little bit easier, that lends to a better culture, doesn't it? No question. And at the end of the day, my human nature, I am a player's coach. Like, I want to do everything I can to help our players succeed in life. Everything I can. However, part of that is creating structure, setting a standard, and holding, up, holding people accountable. If you want to help kids be successful in life, you better tell them what to do. 
You better tell them how you want them to do it. And if they don't do it, you better hold them accountable and repeat. And that's how you help kids be successful in life. All right, Coach, we always appreciate the time. I know you're waiting some, for some really, really good news on one of the top quarterbacks out there. So when that happens, we'll, uh, I'm sure you'll celebrate it. But in the meantime, continued success with the recruiting trail and the kids that you're bringing into ASU. It really looks like the program's headed in the right direction. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk to you soon. That's Kenny Dillingham, the head coach at ASU. The reports are out there. Jaden Rashada has even mentioned it. Jaden Rashada, he was committed to Florida. Um, he ended up uh, getting out of that commitment. And he tweeted out today, forks up. And Jaden Rashada said, I just want to start off by thanking the Lord for my journey and strength to get through whatever uh, was put in front of me. And then I uh, can't wait to carry on the family name at the university and start my journey forks up. So uh, they, Kenny can't speak. I thought that they might have had that NLI by now, but they still haven't received the faxed commitment. So until that comes in, he can't comment about the kid. But a big get, Jaden Rashada coming to ASU. James Jones, the GM of the Suns, joins us next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Prince and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. All right, John Gambazora back with you. Take you right up until 6 o'clock tonight. We're going to talk a little Suns basketball as we get you set for their game tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. And joining us on the line, as he does every single week, uh, the general manager of your Phoenix Suns, James Jones. James, how are you today? I'm good, Gambo, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love having you on. I appreciate it. Hey, I got to tell you, I watched your Miami Hurricanes last night, and they looked pretty good. Played Virginia Tech, not a great team, but I think I think that Miami Hurricanes team could do some damage. They look they they look like they're pretty solidified. A couple of good front court players. Yeah, I'm just hoping we can stay under the radar long enough to peak at the right time. You know, it's uh, it's always good when when the Canes are playing well. Um, and like you said, they play Virginia Tech, who, who may not be the strongest team, but um, a good win. You know, they're, they're playing well, and, and Coach L continues to do an amazing job with those guys down there. 12-0 and at home this year. 12-0 and at home, 5-0 and in games right after a loss. I, I did like that Norchard O'Meara kid and Jordan Miller, some good players. But yeah, I got a real opportunity to watch them for an extended period of time last night. I'm like, I got to tell James, I watched this Miami Hurricanes team, and they looked awfully good. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I know you must have been bored sitting there watching Florida <laughs> basketball, but it's all good. All love the same. Absolutely. The same. Let's talk about let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, terrific effort against the Raptors the other night with that win. You just had that that hiccup in the third quarter where they had a nice twelve nothing run, and then they put together another little run. I, I'll start with Dario, and everybody's going to talk about Mikhail, and I'll talk about Mikhail. But I thought in that fourth quarter. I thought the guys on the bench did a really good job of allowing Monty to not rush his starters back. You know, Dario hits a short jumper, then a floater, and then he grabs a defensive rebound, runs the court, and gets a nice pass from Saban for a basket. I thought Dario gave you guys a nice lift starting that fourth quarter. He did. I mean, if, if you if you look at the run they made in the third quarter, their starters versus our starters, and I thought our, our bench guys won the game for us. They were able to, to make up some ground. Like when you look at Toronto, um, you know, they didn't have OG, you know, but they had Scotty, you know, Fred, you know, Pascal, you know, those guys are, you know, Gary Trent, those guys are dynamic and they have length, size, 
they play well in transition. And if you're not making shots, um, you're playing their game. So I thought our, our bench came in and we were able to make some headway and it allowed us to kind of regroup or recoup and, uh, you know, stabilize a little bit. And then we're able to, to, to close it out down the stretch. Mikhail had one of his best games of the season. 29 points. He had six rebounds, three assists, three steals. You know, I watch his game so closely, and he still does everything well defensively. I love his ability to drive the baseline and score when it looks like he's out of bounds because he's got such long arms. But if, if you, if I had to ask you, like, what part of his offensive game has he improved the most on? Is it, is it the elbow jumper? Is it the mid-range shot? What, what do you, what do you think he's improved on the most? I mean, I believe his mid-range game is, is has been like extremely impressive, and, and he's improved his balance. He's improved his timing. Um, you know, like you said, with his length, it's very tough for for defenders to to challenge him, uh, to disrupt him. Uh, but he's playing with confidence, and and you never know when it finally clicks for a player. You know, you like to think that you would know, and you know. But what Mikael's been doing has been the result of and some of it is just his will. Um, and in circumstance, he's been forced over the last couple of weeks to take those tough shots. He's been cur- encouraged to, to push his boundaries. He's accepted and he's excelled. Yeah, he's done a really great job. And then, you know, you look at just look at your bench and, and Ish, we had Ish Wainwright on the show yesterday. 20 minutes. He had the most minutes of anybody off the bench and he just contributes in so many ways. Three steals, three assists, three rebounds. He banked a three off the glass. And, you know, you, you just look at a player like that and, and guys like that helping you win games until you get your star player back. I mean, that is crucial to you guys having success. It is. I mean, and, and, and this goes for all of our guys and, and every guy that steps on the floor, especially our reserves. You know, you're, you always have to prove that you belong. Um, we know who our established starters are. We know who, who you know, we're, we're, we're down Devin. Uh, but when he comes back, you know who carries us. So for the rest of our guys, and we're always challenging them every night. Go into the game, prove that you belong. You know, show people that you deserve the minutes that you're getting. And, and even if you haven't earned them, you know, keep them by playing well. I thought um, Chris, since he's come back, has been fantastic. And I think that's everybody, what everybody wants to see. And, of course, we'll wait to see how he holds up over the playoffs and if he's able to contribute at the level that we expect him to. But, I mean, even, you know, we're used to Chris being able to close out games. And after Torrey grabbed that monster rebound, he hits a big three right there. That was a huge part of the game. And since Chris has been back, it seems like he's playing the type of basketball that we're accustomed to seeing. Is that what you're noticing? Um, I think he found the rhythm. Um, it's it's been you know not having Devin for a while. It's been choppy. Chris in and out of the lineup, um, but but you see uh, he's comfortable, and, and it helps that Mikel is is playing better. You know because now we have dual threats on the perimeter, and and make no mistake about it, Chris can carry a team, but that's not when Chris is at his best. Chris is at his best when he's facilitating and he's doing what he did late in that game, making big shots. And prior to that. You know, it was make timely shots, but make sure that the ball got to the people uh, at the right times in the right spots so that the flow continues because we know when, when the game gets close, our guy's going to look for Devin and Chris. Can Mikhail be that player in a long playoff series? If if Chris is taken out by, say, uh, uh, somebody's length like Dorian Finney-Smith last year, or if a team decides we want to trap book every time he gets the ball and force him to go backwards instead of forwards, if if, if you need a guy to be a third scorer, it's been one of the biggest questions I think Suns fans have had. Do you need to go get a third scorer, or is that guy somewhere internally? Is it D.A.? Is it Mikhail? Do you believe that Mikhail can be that? guy i do i mean he has to be um but that still doesn't preclude you from getting other scores and 
and make no mistake about it, like Mikel is is still his his trajectory is still upward. Uh, he still has a lot of room for growth. Um, he still will will have a lot of reps. Um, but I do believe he is that guy. I think he's proven over the last month that he is that guy, and um, he can continue to get better. And it only makes us better um, when you start to layer him and Da. And, and Cam Johnson on top of what Devin and Chris can do. I had uh, I had Saban Lee on the show last week, and I was so happy to see the news that came out today uh, of him getting the two-way contract. Obviously, you had to lose a player in Dwayne Washington Jr. to do it, but it's clear that what, what, what Saban gave this team over those two 10-day contracts impressed you enough to where you wanted him to be a part of this roster going forward. Yeah, I mean, well, he he brought some things that we needed. He brought stability at the position. Um, you know, he plays the position um, the way we needed to be played. Uh, he picks up ninety four feet. Um, he he attacks the paint, collapses the paint, finds guys. And you know, it's tough because you, you're talking about saving and, and Dwayne Washington, two very good young players who do different things. Uh, but just given where we are with our roster and and, and the time of the season um, as we try to navigate this next four game stretch to the all-star break and coming out of it. Um, I, I thought he did a good enough job to deserve an extended look. And, and look, we, we had him in training camp with us uh, at the end of training camp for a reason, because we thought he could work well with us. That was our first uh, 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 say opportunity to, to see him in our environment. And on his second opportunity, he did a, a tremendous job. So kudos to him. And look, we're just looking forward to him continue to have an impact on our team. Trade deadline is coming up, and I, you know, I have to ask you about it. Just with uh, you know, with Jay and his status in limbo, uh, and I know you expect it, but I'll ask you once again: Do you expect that that there will be a conclusion to Jay and a trade by the trade deadline? That's the goal, um, and you know, I, I, I know that question will be asked, and I answer at the same time every time. That's the goal. Right. And then when you look at, at what the Phoenix Suns may need, and we've talked about this in the past, but I want to just get an update because, you know, things change and players get injured. And when you look at things that you need, I, I you know, I look at wing and, and length as something that you can always use another player with, with length to help with Mikhail. Uh, scoring, I think, is always an important thing. I think you're okay at guard, really, with, with, with Book and Paul, because it's hard for somebody to come in and get playoff minutes with those guys playing all the minutes. But what would you say right now? What would you identify? Identify as the one or two things you may be looking for in a trade package. Um, yeah, like we're like a combination of those things, but whichever one presents best, you know. So we can use forward help. Uh, we can use scoring. Um, we can always use more, you know, interior defense. So, um, but we'll we'll see what shakes out over the next week. I expect I expect some interesting names to be flung around. I expect a lot of uh, players to come into to focus, and we'll just see what we can get done. Right, and I would think at that point is you know outside of Jay, would you expect that there will be more than one trade with the Suns, or do you think it'll be quiet? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I can I can tell you after we do it. <laughs> All right, I'll hold you to that. All right, my friend, I appreciate the time. Good luck against Atlanta tonight, and continued success with the Suns. All right, thanks, Gamble. Have a good one. You got it. That's James Jones, the general manager of your Phoenix Suns. And, yes, he does expect a conclusion by the deadline with with, uh, Jay Crowder and a possible trade. All right, the Arizona Cardinals to facilities. Were they an issue for Sean Payton? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
on the Birds and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, Gambo. You sound good right now. You sound good. We had to do a couple segments without you, the Kenny Dillingham interview and the James Jones one, because the, your system was breaking up quite a bit. You were working from home uh, as you you know finished the last couple of days of being in, uh, you know, because of your COVID, you had to work from home, home a few days. So yeah. we're getting through it. We're getting through it. No, I just, you're getting through it. I just it. treated you're, myself to a Yui, you'll play peach yogurt, so I'm all better now. <laughs> You know, they say a Snickers, like sometimes, you know, maybe I do need a Snickers. Uh, but yeah, like behind the scenes, just sometimes things get, you know, you you know, uh, sometimes we sometimes we do have to work from home. I have to, you know, unfortunately, I have to work from home a couple times a month. And right now you've got to work from home. We've got the capability to do it. But we also we have to make sure that we have a, a really good broadcast for the, for the listeners out there. And if we, we don't we don't want a poor break broadcast. So, if, you know, if you're in a car and you're listening and it's. It's crapping out on you and stuff. We're, we're going to cut it and make sure that we give you a good broadcast. If that's if I have to go solo or have somebody else join in. So that's the, the behind the scenes deal is that just our priority is to make sure that we put a good broadcast out there every day. No doubt about it. And, and I can assure everybody that behind the scenes here at the house, I've been doing everything humanly possible to. You didn't make go in sure- the jacuzzi? No, I did not. I have no jacuzzi to go into, Gambo. I, believe me, I was. I I was this close. I was. I have no jacuzzi to go into, but man, I was this close to pouring that gin and tonic. I was like, you know what? Might be happy hour here, real quick. No sitting in the jacuzzi today, baby. We need you to do some work. <laughs> the person's like, where's Burns? He's in the jacuzzi. Oh, I got no. I got no jacuzzi. Yeah, funny side story. I was working from home one day, and I thought there was like a taped interview that we had to play. So I, I actually did go in the jacuzzi. Yeah. I was like, I'm just sitting at home working. I got like 15 minutes here. I'm gonna. Worked out this morning, able to get the muscles heated up a little bit, and then. Uh, but I, there was actually a show to do. What I missed. Yeah, we we, yeah, we started the segment, it, yeah. and we're like, "Where's Gambo? Where's Gambo?" Producers are calling you. We're texting you. You're not responding. You come back 15 minutes later. Oh, I thought we had a taped segment. I was in the jacuzzi. Yeah, thanks. We were just doing a radio show here mm-hmm. without you. Don't yeah. don't mind us. We're fine. Yeah. We're just doing this whole thing without you. So so uh, just uh, what I miss. What did James say? What did Kenny say? What's going well, on? Kenny, what did I miss? Kenny does not. They, the, the, the kid is not faxed over. Oh. The and uh, now he's committed to ASU. We put it on Twitter. He's committed. Uh, but Rashada has not said the NLI, not the NIL, the NLI. The National Letter of Intent. It comes via a fax machine. It gets sent over, and uh, that's how you know. So he can't comment on the kid until oh. that is officially in his hands. So we just talked about a lot of different things with what he's done with the program, and he's done a really good job. And you know, we know he's going to get this kid because the kid's basically you know put out a statement that he's coming to ASU. But he has to go by the rules. You know, we thought that it would be here by now. That's why we scheduled the interview because we thought that. He he would have that in his hands by now, uh, but it was not faxed over by the time we started the interview with Kenny. So we had to work around it a little bit. As far as James is concerned, uh, we talked a little Miami basketball, college basketball at first, and then we got into how well the bench and Dario, the Saban Lee decision, and then okay. you know him basically saying the expectations are that we will trade Jay Crowder by this deadline, and then talked about what he needs as far as other trades that could go down and things like that. So just getting everybody ready for the trade deadline, a possible Jay Crowder trade. Obviously, we cannot ask him about OG Ananobi or, or, or players that are under contract with another team, so we didn't do that, but we did talk about what your needs may be and how the team's been playing 
playing. Mikhail, we talked about a lot about Mikhail and whether he could be that third scorer, but he did say you still need more scoring. So I would expect he's in the market looking for another scorer, and I think more length, too. I think he'd love to get somebody with some more length. Well, you talk about faulty technology. It college Major college football still requiring fax machines and faxes? It's, that's what I was, I was told today. Yeah, I was told I mean, today you I mean, fax, get faxed over. I'm relying on a high-speed internet connection here to do a radio show, and ASU's waiting on a fax. Major college programs around the country are waiting on faxes today. That's funny. There's some irony in that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I haven't had a fax machine in 25 oh, years. I used honestly, to have a fax machine. Couldn't even tell you the last time yeah. I had one of those. I, I, I can't even tell you the last time I had a hardwired phone line in my house, right? Like an old-fashioned right, phone right, jack? Right. I, I yeah. can't remember the last do you, time I had do you think eight? Do you think 17, 18-year-old kids in high school right now even know what a fax machine is? No, I do not. If they've been to a museum recently, like you can see, you can see an old movie and realize that there were phones on the wall with these long cords. You know, you can oh, yeah. see a movie and realize that that's what a phone used to look like, and you could see the rotary dial. But you don't really see fax machines in movies. Like so, if you're an, if you're a kid and you've watched an older movie, you can understand what the phone system used to be like by watching it. But you don't know what a fax machine is. No, like like you take. Okay, I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but you take the, the end of like the usual suspects when the facts of what the drawing of Kaiser Sose looks like, but it kind of falls behind, you know, a, a, a cabinet or something and nobody sees it right away. That would never happen today, right? There, you wouldn't fax over the sketch artist's rendition of Kaiser Sose. You'd email it, you'd text it, you'd post it, you'd, you'd get it within seconds. You wouldn't be waiting on a fax machine to spit out an image of what Kaiser Sose looks like. And I'm sure people are watching, they go, what is that? What is that machine? spitting out that piece of paper with the picture of that dude on it. What is right, that? I don't right. know what that is. All right, so I, I don't know if this is working or not, but we're going to move forward. And um, I heard your your cheese coming going into the break. Uh, there were comments made by A.Q. Shipley. Um, he was on the Pat McAfee show. And for the record, I, I mean, uh, you and I both very much like A.Q. Shipley. We really liked him when he was here with the Cardinals, and we don't have any reason not to like him. I do find his criticism a little curious of the Cardinals. He suggested that one of the reasons why the Cardinals were unable to land Sean Payton was the state of the team's practice facility. Uh, A.Q. Shipley said the building. I haven't heard the the interview. I just read the recap on CardsWire.com. A.Q. Apparently said the building was long overdue for an upgrade and had not changed since Bruce Arians retired as the head coach after the 2017 season. Um, and Shipley technically is correct; they haven't really done anything since Bruce Arians retired. But back in 2013 and 14 and 15, they went through a major upgrade of that facility. They expanded it by nearly a hundred thousand square feet. They invested 15 million dollars in it. You and I have both been out there. We saw it on Hard Knocks. The facility is not the reason why Sean Payton didn't come to the Arizona Cardinals. No, I don't think so. The thing with facilities is 
in this new era that we're in right now, right? Stadiums don't stand forever. The problem is there's so much technology in these stadiums with roofs that open and close and, you know, all the gadgets and the bells and the whistles. And so, you know, since technology really came into play, like, like about 30 years ago, stadiums don't last as long now. You've either got to tear down the stadium and get a new one or do a complete refurbish, like with what the Suns did with that arena. So it's not like you build an arena. Like, look at the Diamondback Stadium, right? I mean, something's got to give there. Like, they either got to tear that thing down and build a new one somewhere or put a lot of money into that ballpark. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that old, right? I mean, you're not looking at that ballpark. Oh, it's not, it's not 100 years old. It's not 75 years old. It's not 50 years old. It's not 40 years old. I mean, it's. I don't even think it's 30 years old. So you get to a point when you start because of technology everything changes that you you do look to upgrade every 10 to 15 years now you know a lot of minor minor upgrades and within 20 years you're doing major upgrades yeah when we come back on the burns and gambo show well, actually before i do that let me remind everybody that four-time super bowl champion and nfl legend rob gronkowski is bringing his gronk beach to talking stick resort on february 11th gronk will be bringing his infamous end zone dance moves along with hip-hop star 21 Savage, Little John, and much more. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and complete event details. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the 4 o'clock reset. We're halfway through the show. Man, that went by fast. What's next here on Burns and Gambo?